When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, E. How are you? Hey, I didn't I'm know you call him E. Yeah, I feel like I never call you no. Eric. Call you Eric. Yeah. Oh, I feel out of the loop. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, first, thanks for being with us. Um, of course. Having me. Of course. So we'll start out. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What How you old do? you are? What you do? Yeah, for sure. So I'm 26 years old. I'm from Long Island, New York. I went to Boston College. That's where I met Mariana. Um, now I live in Manhattan. I work at Teeds, which is an ad tech platform, as a creative strategist, um, specifically for luxury fashion, beauty, and retail. Um, it's a little hard to explain. No, that's not like immediately <laughs> digestible. But yeah, that's essentially uh, the little bio. What has been your favorite thing about working in the creative space? And I guess tell us a little bit more like about what exactly you do. Yeah, for sure. Um, So essentially my job is I work on digital advertisements for my clients. So, you know, those verticals I mentioned before, luxury, fashion, beauty, and retail. So my job essentially is working on these digital ads. So my company Teats, what we do is we provide a single access point to world's you know, all the world's publishers. So if you're a brand and you want your, you know, advertisements to run in all the top publishers, you know, Time, ESPN, Vogue, this, that, you'll, you know, run through Teeds and it allows all these ads to be published in all these publishers. Wow. So, yeah. So that's essentially like what Teeds like was founded on. Now we're kind of expanding into other areas like CTV, which is like, you know, when you're watching Hulu or other, you know, things in your TV. But um, yeah, basically our bread and butter as a business was we invented the technology that allowed um, ads to live in editorial content standalone. So what I love about my job is I basically work on the creative piece of it. So my clients come to me and I'm working on the more custom creative stuff. So uh, for example, I can, I can now release this one because the campaign just went live, but Sunglass Hut, um, they have their summer campaign. So I designed this whole virtual try-on augmented reality experience where right within this ad unit that you are reading with an article, you can try on six different pairs of sunglasses, which is really cool. Um, and then there's like another one um, for Chanel I did last year. They opened up this store in Soho called the Atelier Beauté, which is essentially like um, like a Sephora, but just with Chanel beauty products. There's like makeup artists oh there, like skincare, and like all this stuff. So I developed this 360 degree explorer that you could do again, right from the ad unit. So like you're reading an article and now you can like zoom in and see this like 360 degree view of the space. So that's kind of, exa- those are two examples of what I do of like working on these custom high impact um, creatives for different brands. And I think my favorite part about it is um, seeing the vision come to life. Cause it can yeah. take a while with these creatives. Like I, you know, you take it for granted when you're a casual user, you're reading an article, you, you see an ad and you're just like, okay, whatever. And it keeps going by, but someone spent months working on it. <laughs> Eric spent right. months working and, and on I, it. I, I, it, might me. it. It's very like, I'm a creative job, but it's also, I'm in, I'm in ad tech. So it's very yeah, tech-y. so techy. Yeah. It's low key, very techy. So I think my favorite part. Can is you like, code? No, so I don't code. So I, I'm I'm in a very um lucky job where I am because I'm basically like the visionary, and I tell my designer how I want it to look. So 
I, I love my job because I'm basically like the interior designer and then I have like the builder. So cool. So I like lay out, I'll like storyboard and show exactly how I want it to be. And then my designer who, we have a few designers and they're all amazing. They put it together and they are very patient when I give them a million rounds of feedback of how exactly I want it to look. Oh God. But, um, but it's it's definitely so gratifying at the end because throughout the process as you're building it, there's always hiccups, especially when it's like so custom like this, like with the AR with Sunglass Hut or with, with Sotheby's and with the API feed, like there's always hiccups and, and bumps in the road. And there are those moments where you ask yourself, like, is this going to work? Like, is this right. actually going to go live? Like, is this tech going to work out? Is it going to load? You have to remember like our ads are loading in an article. So we're in the open web. So we have to deal with all the constraints of just being on the open web. We're not on an app like Snapchat or Instagram. Like we're on all these different websites. So there's a lot that goes into it and, and, you know, there you have those moments of fear, but when the campaign goes live and it's performing well and, and you can, you know, look at that creative and when you, when you see it in the wild, that's the best feeling. Like I'll be like, I'll sometimes I'll hunt out my own. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll see it there. And I'm like, Oh, like there it is. Um, so yeah, that, that's the best feeling is really like seeing the finished product, knowing that, you know, you had a piece of it. And I think also I take a lot of personal pride in, in the brands I work with. I grew up always loving luxury advertising. Like I would yeah. open, I still do. I, I open Vogue and, I don't open Vogue for the articles. I open Vogue for the first 30 pages of all the ads. And I've just always been captivated by luxury advertising. So the fact that I work with LVMH and Chanel and Richemont and I work on their ads and like I'm a piece of that story is is very, very fulfilling to me. Yeah. And you have like a tangible thing to look at and be like, wow, I did that. Yeah. And like I I was part of this campaign. Like that's so cool. Little old Eric made it up there. So. Yeah. That is now really I'm gonna cool. like see every ad and be like, Eric, did you make did this? You that? <laughs> Eric, is this one yours? Yeah. I'm gonna start telling people, I know the guy that made this ad. <laughs> you see that? That's amazing. <laughs> so in honor of Pride Month, and we know we're a week late. We're a week late. <laughs> you guys are officially homophobic, but it's fine. <laughs> we're proud all year round. Eric, would you share your coming out story? I feel like people who've shared their stories with me, it's either like you just do it all and immediately, like one day, or it's like more of a gradual process. You tell people slowly. So like, what was it like for you? Yeah, it was definitely more like the latter. I was in this internship at Citibank with like my best friend in high school. And it was the summer before senior year of high school. And um, we were- High you know, school? This, yeah. You had I mean, an internship pro- at Citibank in high school? It was, it was like this like, program that my high school had. Everyone was always very impressed when I told them. But it was very ideal. It was like three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It was great. We had, we had the setup. Um, so we're like going to this internship. And then I like happened to meet this guy. So like, I used to work at Adventureland when I was 14 one summer, which is like the amusement park on Long Island. I'm dead. Uh, which also has a movie with the same name. Um, and we went, we went after work one day, me and my best friend at the time. And we, um, like ran to this guy that I used to work with when I was there. And then he wound up like messaging me on Facebook and was like, Hey, like, I think you're cute. I hope, hope I'm not barking up the wrong tree. I actually remember that moment. I was like walking around my backyard. Like I like saw this message and I was like, Oh my God, like butterflies never really spoken to a guy before. Um, so we wound up dating and now I'm like hiding this like secret boyfriend from my family and like my best friend. Um, and they're all kind of like, what's going on? Does Eric have a girlfriend? Yeah. So that's that summer I came out to my best friend. She was like the first person I came out to. I actually did it at our middle school where we met. And it was um, it was like a very misty day. And we're like on the bleachers, like next to the track. No one's there. 
And I told her and the world literally stopped. Like yeah. when I said, like, Arita, I have something to tell you, I'm gay. Like literally my whole world just stopped. It was like crazy. Um, and then we like walked around the track and I just kind of like, we just like talked a while. And then I came out to my family a little thereafter. And then I didn't really like tell many others for basically like that senior year of high school, maybe like a few friends, like as the year went on. And then I was like telling more and more as we got closer to the end of the year. And then there was like one party, um, like a house party before we all went away to college. And I kind of was just like drunk. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm gay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like telling everyone. So yeah. And then I went to college fully out, um, which was really nice. So I was just, you know, very like much myself all throughout my college career. And yeah, that's basically the Was there anybody that you were nervous, like really nervous to tell and anyone you were like very pleasantly surprised with their reaction? So yeah, I feel like like for both both of those questions, the answer is my grandparents. I was definitely like nervous to tell my grandparents because you know our grandparents are from a different generation. Yeah. My grandparents got married at 19. Like they yeah. have been together forever. They're um, I won't even say their ages because my grandma would kill me. If said <laughs> I love that. Um, but, you know, they're definitely from a different generation and they're not like as in the know of, you know, progressive things. So I was definitely nervous to tell them, but I was also so pleasantly surprised. They were just like, you know, we love you. We're, we want you to be happy and very supportive. So um, definitely like that one was I was like having a little nervous before that one because I was like, I don't know how grandma and grandpa are going to take this. But it was yeah. Funny. That's awesome, though. That's so good that, like, they had a good reaction to it. 19. Could you imagine being married at 19? Yeah, married at 19. I can't imagine being married now. I I know. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, no. So if you could, like, give anyone advice who's, like, struggling with their sexuality or struggling, like, coming out, like, is scared. No. Yeah. Like, what advice would you give? I think the biggest advice I would give is that, you know, any feeling that you're feeling is something that most people in the gay community, if not all, have felt at one point. We've all gone through that kind of like growing up experience of like, there's something wrong with me. I'm going to hell. I'm going to have to live my life pretending that I'm straight. I'm going to, you know, just all these different thoughts that you kind of have growing up when you don't, um, when you don't know what you're going to do. Like, you don't, you simply don't know what you're going to do because everyone else around you to you is straight and right. you know I'm going to church where they're telling me like, I'll never forget I was in church because I grew up you know Italian Roman Catholic so I remember in church they were talking about this program called Courage and you could tell like how much it stayed in my memory because I remember the name of the program was called Courage and I was like maybe like an elementary school or middle school or something and the the you know goal of the program was you just stay abstinent forever and I'm like really sixth grade like in the pews like oh my god I'm like we're gonna ask that like I'm just gonna be abstinent forever like so I guess my advice would be you know like all those feelings that you have they've been felt and you will come to a place where you know I remember it was almost like the switch just happened one day with me where I was like wait no I don't have to marry a girl and be miserable and like just fake it my entire life like I can marry a man and like you know still do the things like having a family if I want to or you know, like having this beautiful relationship and get married, like I can do all that. I could just do it with a guy. And yeah. it just kind of like switched in my head one day where I was like, oh, I don't have to kind of like fake it the rest of my life and suffer. I can enjoy my life. So um, that would be one thing. And also just, you know, there's so many more resources online nowadays than when I was growing up. We still have the internet. So I still like obviously could look things up, but I feel like even more nowadays, 
where we're in a culture where, and it's a great thing that like it's so much more talked about and discussed. So um, I hope that anyone who's struggling with it is, is using the resources that they can. There's so many people that you can talk to online. Um, there's so many places where you can like read other people's experiences of how they did it. I think it's also hard for me sometimes to even like properly give advice to certain segments of the gay population because I was very privileged. You know, I mm-hmm. grew up in a upper middle class family on Long Island who is white and, you know, general, not like the most liberal, but like a liberal enough atmosphere on Long Island. Um, you know, that's very different than if you're growing up as like a person of color in the middle of the country where there's a lot of, you know, conservatism, like there's just very different depending on like where you're growing up. And then when you think about other countries like around the world who are right. even less progressive and like you could be killed for being gay in certain countries, like, you know, I was in a very lucky position. So I, I definitely think about that when I think about those who are struggling with their sexuality and and for all of those people who are in that tough situation, you know, I sending all my prayers and I hope that you're able to go to a place where you do feel loved and accepted. And sometimes, you know, people aren't able to to stay with their family and, you know, have them accept and love them and just continue with life as normal. Some people have to move cities and like make new friends and what we call in the gay community is like a chosen family. So right. to those people who have to do that, you know, I really hope that um, they're able to find that comfort and family that everyone deserves. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really good advice. You know, it's nice that you can acknowledge like, okay, I grew up in New York, like with a certain kind of family, like New York obviously is one of the more liberal progressive, you know, states and exactly. And there's so many factors. There's like, sometimes the religion plays a factor sometimes um like the family history plays a factor like it's just there's so many different things and that that can go into whether your family is going to accept you or not and that's a lot to handle when you know you're just trying to do the normal growing up thing that yeah growing up is hard enough dating is hard hard enough enough. so it's like you're going through the you know coming of age shit but now you're like burdened with this other thing and I used to always like think of like, you know how Lizzie McGuire would like have that cartoon that would like play. In her yes. Head? Yeah. There's one episode where she like had this huge weight on her shoulders and then she like, took it off. And I remember feeling like for a lot of my life growing up, I was like, I feel like that fucking Lizzie McGuire sketch where she has the weights on her shoulder. Like, that's literally how I feel having this like big secret that like I right. can't tell. So, you know, that weight can be a varying intensity. And that's why my heart really just goes out to all of my my queer brothers and sisters who have to deal with that. And that's why I wish them, you know, all the comfort and, and love that they deserve. Yeah. So going like off of that, like you said, like depending on where you live or where you work or where you go to school, whatever, everyone's experience is very different. And like the way that they're treated is very different. Ha- have you ever dealt with like discrimination towards your sexuality on at either a place where you work, obviously like you and I went to a very conservative college like a conservative Jesuit college (laughs) yeah so like have you ever had to deal with that and I guess how did you deal with it yeah so I think the bulk honestly of my experience was pre-college with discrimination so when we were in college you know as you mentioned we went to a Jesuit school (laughs) good old Boston college yeah um surprisingly enough I didn't really ever feel like I was discriminated against at BC. Yeah, sometimes I felt like the administration was at odds with a lot of the progressive needs of the student body. And like, you know, something that was affected also is not even just criticism. They didn't hand out condoms on campus. Like they didn't do that. So that was like everyone. So there was a lot of parts of the administration, obviously, that I think most students have like gripes with. 
Um, but in terms of me feeling discriminated against, not really. I never really felt like that. Like there was like one time that a kid like on Halloween, I think I was like in a toga or something and he was like faggot or something. And then like, I turned around, I'm like, I actually am gay. And then like, <laughs> that was like face dropped. And then like his two like girlfriends are with him. Like, we're so sorry. Right. But besides that one incident, I would say really the bulk of my discrimination happened in high school. And that was when, um, you know, when we went to high school, again, things are different now. A lot has changed over the past few years, at least I would hope. But when we were in high school, the number one insult in just in general, but especially among boys was gay. Yeah, gay, gay, totally. gay, gay, gay. That was just like the go-to. And we it weren't was- in high school that long ago. Yeah. Yeah, we really weren't. We really weren't. So, I mean, I hope it's changed. But when we were in high school, it was a very different culture. And it was totally, totally acceptable for that to be the go-to. Like slur of, word. Like, slur. Exactly. The go-to slur was like gay. And then I think the hard part for me is that, you know, I'm a pretty gregarious individual. Like I was social in high school. So, but at the same time, you know, when you're in the closet, you're always hiding a part of yourself because you don't want to appear too femme. You don't want to show that you're gay. So like, I would try to like limit how much I would hang out with my girlfriends one-on-one in high school because I didn't want to like look too gay. And like, I would try to sometimes obviously like hold back, you know, part of my speech or like part of like how I would normally act because I didn't want to seem too gay. But the difficult part for me is that I really fell in this like middle ground where I think people had a suspicion that I was gay, but I wasn't so effeminate where it would have been outright offensive like there were some boys in my grade who were extremely effeminate and it was very obvious that they were gay and no one called them gay as a slur because it was just be too on the nose and too right. mean. it was like oh yeah, obviously you know that was it was so it was like there was these kids that like even you know one of my ex-boyfriends that I had in high school um he like no one was calling him gay because he was out of the closet. So, you know, you kind of take the power away when you're out because it's like, okay, yes, I am. There's like no no power to that slur. Right. But for me, I was very much in that like tough middle ground where like I went to parties, I had friends, but I was also a little effeminate. So the gay word just came to me so much. Like I would get called gay. I felt more than the other kids. So that was definitely really tough for me because I just, you know, it was definitely bullied and it, was something where I felt just like very caught in the middle of this like tough dynamic. I'm like, damn, if I was just out of the closet and just acting really gay, everyone would shut up. Yeah. But like, I'm just not ready to do that yet. So that was definitely when I felt the most, just, you know, being out in high school is its own difficult thing out of itself because you need to, you're, you're, you're coming out at a very young age and you're exposing yourself and being very vulnerable. So that has its own host of difficulties. It just so happened that for me and my experience of like, this Long Island high school, <laughs> the kids totally. were very, very, very quick to call me gay. And it was, it was not fun. I have to be honest. It was not fun. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as soon as I came out, then like, you know, at that party before college, like that's, I never heard another word again. So right. it's kind of funny that like the discrimination, I guess it's a bit ironic that the discrimination happened to me more when I was in the closet than when I was like out and proud. No, but, that actually yeah. is but, so interesting. Uh, yeah. But like, it just, you don't, don't gay, realize, exactly. like, especially in your situation, like, if you actually are, how insulting right. that could be. And right. like, like, when you actually are gay and you're hearing it day in and day out, it's like really damaging. And, right. and you're yeah. not out as right. being I'm gay. Not out, so I'm just like, I'm internalizing. Yeah. This yeah. Day in it's... and day out. And I'm also now like using the word gay and faggot because that's what everyone else is doing. So I'm trying to fit in. So it's like now right. I'm also using these words myself. Yeah. Uh, and you're like contributing to it because you just are trying to just like, you know, hide for 
like duck for cover and like pretend that you're, you know, just like everyone else. And yeah, I also wasn't into sports. So like, I, I like always hated when people like, Oh, like what sports do you until like, I'm in debate. Like, and Long Island too is such yeah. like a sports. sports. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly. but like what I'm saying is like, it just shouldn't be tossed around as an insult period. A hundred percent. Like abs- yeah, it's I mean, not absolutely. an insult. I feel like you don't just... hear it now, but I vividly remember hearing people use it oh, so definitely. much in high yeah, school, I, I middle school. I think it school. really has, I mean, I need you to talk to someone who's in high school and, and verify, but I do feel <laughs> like it's gone down a lot. I think when we were in high school, like it was being gay was becoming part of mainstream culture more, but it hadn't been fully accepted yet. And I do really feel like in 2015, when gay marriage was legalized, which, you know, now let's cross our fingers that that even stays yeah, legal. Please. Right. It's everything that's happening right now with abortion, but you know, when, when gay marriage was legalized in 2015, I really did feel a culture shift where now that it was federally recognized and it was something that wasn't just like a fight, it's obviously the fight was still going on, but like at least the fight for, for marriage, mm-hmm. that would have been solidified. And in a lot of people's mind, that was like, you know, what finally equated us with straight people. So I think when that happened, a lot of the culture started to kind of like follow thereafter of people you know, really putting us on a legitimate place in society and not using gay as this like throw around insult. Um, and then additionally, I think just like as time has gone on, we've all become more progressive in social media. We've all be learned more about how to be more inclusive and yeah. you know, not say things that are offensive and learn about microaggressions and X, Y, and Z. So I think we've come a long way. Um, and, and I hope that no kid has to deal with like the shit that I had to deal with in high school and generations before me had to. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so going off of that, have you ever, I mean, I'm sure more when you were in the closet versus now also like, again, we're blessed that we're in a state like New York. Have you ever thought twice about PDA? Yes, I definitely have. Um, I definitely have just because when you're, when, when you do PDA, like as a gay person, it just feels like eyes are going to be on you and you don't always want that like sometimes you just want like a cute little moment you're not trying to draw attention but it can very much feel like if I do have this cute little moment it will draw attention and perhaps negative attention and you know there have been times where if I'm like with a boyfriend or just like with someone I'm talking to like I'll feel like I don't want to hold hands or I don't want to you know kiss or do anything because maybe the environment I'm in, I'm like, I don't know how everyone here feels about the gay world. So, you know, in New York, it feels pretty okay. Like, you know, I feel like in general in New York City, you feel like you can kind of have a little PDA and you'll be okay. Um, but as soon as you're not in like a very liberal place and like right. think about New York, like it's not like all of New York State is no, liberal. No, like, it's not. New York City itself is liberal. And even within New York City, there are conservative areas. So as soon as you're not somewhere where you feel like you're good, you question what you're doing because you know that it's going to draw attention. And I think something that, like people think is like, oh, like they're just looking for attention. Like, no, we're not. Right. <laughs> just the same thing. You're just being normal. Yeah. Where you give a kiss in public and it's not a big deal. Um, but you, you're giving me the attention that I don't want. So. Right. That's yeah. so interesting. I was listening to, I was telling Katie, I was listening to Simon Huck on Melissa Wood Health's um, podcast this morning such a good and he said the same thing he was like I'm married and I don't feel comfortable walking through an airport holding hands with my husband because he's like I'm in an airport there's people from all around the world all around the country like yeah and 
I don't know who is going to say something, who's going to stare. Like, and it's so, it's so unfair. Cause it's like, straight people like a, don't have to think, think about twice. it. You don't have to think twice. Yeah. You're not going to get a look unless you're basically having sex on the street. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. There's definitely, you know, there's so many layers of privilege that come with being, being straight. straight in this world versus being queer in any sense. And that's definitely one of them is like the ability to feel that you can, you know, share an intimate moment in public and not fear for your safety. Right. That's what it's literally fearing, fearing for, for your, your safety. safety. Yeah. 100%. And you know, if there's like a guy who's like six foot three and, and huge, like I don't know what I'm going to do right now. Like, you know, like I would do my best to defend myself, but you know, anything can happen in the world. So you don't yeah. want to make yourself a target. And that's why when you're not somewhere where you feel 100% comfortable, you think twice before you do anything. Right. For sure. So moving on from that, like and a little bit more into dating, you've lived in different cities. You've also like traveled so much. So what's it like dating in like different cities? Like what cities do you think are the best? Like, yeah, give us your no, take. Good question. I think, um, you know, got to give a little bit of edge to New York home field advantage i mean this is the proper podcast to do so yeah um, totally so i gotta give new york an edge here i i really like um the gay community here because i just feel like it's so varied which is you know obviously true for everything in new york where yeah. we're just a global city um i just love that the gay world here feels very diverse you know you have the very like new york scene you know like elitist gays but then you have like everything else in between and I love that, like, it's not just one type of gay guy here. Like, you really can't just, like, stereotype, like, what is a gay guy here? Because there's every type, and there's a party, and there's a scene for every type of, you know, gay guy there is. So I definitely like dating in New York and, like, being in New York because I feel like I'm able to go to different spaces. And, like, I really, I've always found myself to be a very adaptable person, and I like kind of dipping my toes into different spaces. So that's why I like how... I can go to like, for example, this past Pride weekend, I went to Planet Pride, which is like more, you know, like a little more like techno-ish. Wait, Murat, it looked really you know? fun. Yeah, it was so fun. And then like Friday night, I went to uh, on um, the Gay Flower, it's called, and it was like, um, it was like Miley Cyrus, like bangers, like themes. So, so like, fun. You have such a great and healthy, like gay life here. So I think that just because the gay life is so vibrant here, it just allows the dating to be so open, like you know, you go on the dating apps, there's a limitless pool of people who come from all walks of life. So I'm going to give my answer to New York. I love yes. that. Yes. We <laughs> love that. Um, okay. Really quick. We're going to do a few rapid fire before going into the five, five Fs. Apps. We know you're so excited okay. for them. Okay. The first, <laughs> first, the best dating app for LGBTQ plus community in your opinion. I have to give it to Hinge. Now, first, let me just give a disclaimer that I am like the worst Hinge user because I'm, I'm so lazy yeah. and I'm like so lazy about going through the matches and like actually talking to people and going on dates. I, I feel like I've just been kind of like enjoying meeting people in person at events and stuff. So I've been like lazy with the apps. I feel like but, everybody's like post COVID. I'm happy to meet yeah. people in person again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're all just like happy to be outside, like meeting people at in like events and whatnot, but I have to give it to Hinge because I think they've developed an app that is very smooth. I love the UI. I love the black and white theme. I love the prompts. I think they did the best job out of like 
Tinder, um, you know, Bumble, out of all those like different apps, I think that theirs looks the most premium and it's the most sleek. Um, so I got, I'll give it to Hinge for that one. Okay, your favorite public figure from the LGBTQ plus community. I'm gonna go with Elliot Page. Uh, okay, good like, one. Yeah, I feel like he. I've just been watching some interviews with him, and I think it's just really interesting hearing his story because we grew up and like my sister and I used to watch Juno. Yes, an, so an, an unhealthy amount. Like it was <laughs> really. Like, oh yeah, like we would watch that movie like uh, at least once a week. I don't know why my sister always had it all out. I loved Juno. Yeah, the lines are so funny in that movie. It's a great movie, I mean, and it Juno dropped no, like it right is, when when. Is, uh, but- Sixteen and pregnant was like such a hit on MTV. Right, right. <laughs> but Juno was the best. Um, but I think it's just been interesting watching Elliot, like how he's developed as a as a human being and within the queer community too. Um, so yeah, I gotta give it to him. That's a good one. Um, favorite okay. date spot. Ooh, favorite date spot. Or like your ideal date. Yeah. Okay. I would say, like, I think ideal date, honestly, if we've never met, is just, like, drinks. Like, I don't want to have a full-on dinner. Ugh, I'm so with you. Yeah, so with you, yet, you. That's a lot of commitment. Like, that's I don't want to break time. bread with you, like, yeah. with strangers. <laughs> okay, and then last one, and I'm always so curious about this. Who pays on This the is literally your favorite question to ask everybody. It is. Like, straight people, but, like, I'm so curious because, I mean, yeah. I'm traditional. So, like, I like a guy to pay for me when right, I'm going right. to date with them. Yeah, yeah. So my opinion on this is split in, in the gay world. Okay. I feel like we are kind of privileged in that we're both guys. So we're privileged in that, like, there is no overt dynamic of, like, you know, chivalry. You should, one of them should be paying. So I think it kind of, like, levels the playing field. And Okay, so okay. you think split. Yeah, I think, like, I think it's pretty – It's I, I, like, no, no – in my opinion, no gay guy is going to be, like, so shocked – if you're on a date and you're like, let's split it. Like, I feel like that's pretty common practice. But then if like one person wants to be, you know, the generous one, I think it's totally fine. What I think is funny is when I ask my straight friends, because I have no, I have no horse in the game or no horse in the race. I don't especially like, I don't care what y'all do, but I get some very passionate opinions from both men and women about who should, how it should. Yeah. Oh, I'm so passionate about it. And like a lot of my female friends are like, absolutely. The man should be playing. A lot of my male friends are like, it's ridiculous. Women want equality, but except for paying on the date. So. And no, it's true though. People definitely have like very passionate opinions on it. Like there's, and there's never somebody who's down for both. I agree, Mariana. I feel like in the straight world, it's like, it's either like you want the man to be paying or you want it to be a split system. Exactly. Like, like I feel like nobody's down for like, both. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't care. Like, I feel like people have a strong opinion about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. So moving on from the rapid fire, we'll go into our five Fs to wrap this up. Um, so, Eric, which shall we um, start with? Let's do food because you're a foodie okay. too. I am a foodie. Um Okay, so I have to give just one one place, right? Your favorite restaurant, like right now that you're crushing. What's on your last? In New York. What would be your last meal? Oh, okay, well, okay, I'm gonna give an answer <laughs> that's very like we're stressing him out just because it just happened. So I went to Peak last night for the first time. Oh my god, Eric, I'm dying place, to go there. Wait, I've never like, been. That place. First of all, you get off the elevator, the sun is just like. In, the in your face because you're that high up like really upset like on the ground floor like it hasn't set at peak like it's really crazy like the food was great but honestly it's not even like about the food for me the views were just 
so breathtaking. You're so high up. You feel like- Did your ears pop? Your ears pop in the elevator. Yeah. Your ears definitely pop in the elevator, both up and down. Um, so I, I, I have to say like such a memorable experience is going to peak. Like you just have these views over the city. You're like above the empire state building. Like yeah. it's just very, not that's such that a good there. one. We should all go. It's very vibey. I love that. They also did like an art deco kind of like theme with the menu and with the interior. Cause it's very like ode to New York esque. And then right. also what's cool is that, um, the edge is literally one floor below. So typically oh. you have to pay 40 bucks to get a ticket to go to the edge. But if you eat at peak, which like granted, it's not a cheap meal, but <laughs> if you eat at peak, you get to go down to the edge for free, which is like such a nice Ooh. like after dinner activity. Yeah, like, totally. Finish dinner, you go down to the edge, you like see the sick view of the city and you know, it's it's open and you know, you get to like explore around. So definitely I, I got to give it to the peak. They very much impressed me last night. Okay. Also, it sounds a like a one. good date. That's such a good one yeah. too because I feel like it's such a hot spot recently. Okay. So we'll go on a group date. Yeah. To the peak. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Favorite fun activity that you've done recently? Like what are or you doing play. to have fun? Place. Or a place you're going to? So I got to give this one. I actually did think about this one. I'm like, I already know my answer. I got to give it to Brooklyn Mirage. So, so <laughs> I'm a big good. fan of Brooklyn Mirage. Um, they redid it over this past winter. Oh, really? So, I haven't yeah, been so, since they redid it. Yeah. So it's different now. So it used to be, I mean, Brooklyn Mirage was always a great venue in New York, but they changed the, the whole like kind of stage area. So now the screen kind of like almost kind of wraps around, like envelops the audience in a way. It, like it's not your standard like rectangular screen. It kind of like curves around. And it just feels like such a world-class experience. That's the only way I know how to describe it. Like, it makes me very proud to be a New Yorker when I'm, like, at Brooklyn Mirage. I'm like, oh, this is, like, my local venue, but it's this insane. It feels right. like, you know, just such a, a high caliber of of animatronics and, like, the, the music and, like, you know, the pyrotechnics. Like, everything is just very, very high level. So I'm going to give it to Brooklyn Mirage. I've also been there way too many times. You saw, remember when you were in to my brother there? Oh yeah, you were there that night too. I, you. I was there that night too, and yeah. like literally, I get a selfie of Nico and Eric. I'm like, where are you guys? Yeah, and I was also very surprised to hear that you were there that night. That was like a very like hard techno. Night. That's why like, I had already gone home by the time you yeah. and Nico ran into <laughs> right, each other. Right. Okay, fitness or wellness. So for this one, I'm gonna give a little bit of an unorthodox answer, but I am like Mr. City Bike, so I can't not give City Bike for this answer. So Such a good I one. City Bike every. I, I City Bike literally everywhere like I could be going to like a fancy business dinner I city bike there like I just love it so what do you do if you start sweating so the sweating can be difficult um (laughs) a lot of times I'll like completely unbutton my shirt like while I'm biking oh that's smart yeah like something like that but I just think city biking is like I'll give my little pitch on it (laughs) and yeah you guys but my no let's hear it there's no better way to get around New York. We are, when you actually think about the island of Manhattan, like it's actually not that big of a space. So when you think about the different modes of getting around, okay, walking, a classic, great, but like kind of takes a while. Then you have cabs and Ubers, which great, but can be expensive and can take a long time. If there's traffic, you could be stuck in gridlock. And then the subway is great, but like, it's great because it's fast and it's well-connected, but like, I hate the experience of going on the yeah. subway. Like I hate, hate waiting on the platform. There's nothing about the subway besides the fact that it is like convenient and can take you far. Like, I love that aspect of it. But besides that, the city biking just kind of checks every category. You get anywhere you need to go in like two seconds flat because you're zipping around. You don't have to wait necessarily for the light to turn green because if it's red, but there's no cars coming, you can go across. So you're like zipping around so quick. There are docks on literally every corner. So you always have a spot to dock. And 
now they have not only like the electric bikes, which are great because you sweat yeah. less and you help you on the uphill, but now they have these like version two electric bikes, which are, I don't know if you guys have seen them, but they're silver. Oh yeah. Like, these bikes are like mini mopeds. Like they're so quick. Like you get anywhere lightning speed. Um, so yeah. And also the value, it's $180 a year for unlimited 45 minute rides. What? Literally like, I don't pay to get around New York. Like, yes, I pay that yearly fee, but like besides that 180 that like is so quickly forgotten, I'm not paying anything. Like I get around every for free. Whereas, you know, the subway, I think it's like 120 or 130 for monthly unlimited. And then like, you know, Uber is obviously expensive. So the fact that I can get anywhere I want to go, I'm getting a workout. I'm like, let's to my music and dancing on my bike and having the best time. City bike always wins for me. Oh my god, that's a really good one. That's a city really bike good should one. hire you. But no, everyone says that. to be an ambassador. So I, I really love that. Love a bike. <laughs> um, okay, fad. Um, well, we, we were talking about this earlier. I think a good fad is the um, like the small sunglasses. Like, yeah, coming back. Um, I actually remember like in the two thousands, like when the big sunglasses were a thing. I like went up to my. They mom, were like, such a thing. I used to cover my whole face. I went up to my mom like, mom, like you have to get bigger sunglasses. <laughs> they were big enough. But I, I think it's funny how like all the, the trends come around. So I, the nineties like tiny little glasses look is, is cute to me. It's so funny. I so like it when it like started yeah. recently. Like I, my mom had mentioned she's like, yeah, like I used to wear those all the time, and I was like, do you still have them? She's like, I don't know, go through my stuff. And she was away and I like started You took rating. all of her sunglasses. She had like a pair of vintage Gucci ones, a pair of vintage Chanel ones, and they're sick. And they're like so small. No, no, that was like the hottest thing. They're the hottest thing. Totally. Things. I even yeah. like, I went on the real reel or whatever and like yeah. they're selling for so much money. I was like, should I <laughs> yeah. just sell them now? Like those vintage like little glasses are such a thing but i like them you're gonna sell your mom's glasses no i'm definitely gonna keep up they're all coming to me so i need to get some small sunglasses if i'm i'm calling it the fad at the moment i need to get some yeah yeah yeah. and like we have small round faces like they look good on us yeah for sure (laughs) i don't know i'm like i'm very picky about sunglasses yeah i feel like you stick to like the shapes that you like on your face yeah because i don't want to look ugly (laughs) i'll put literally anything on (laughs) Not everyone has the privilege of a perfectly round face. Yes. Like that, Come on, Mars. Like, if it's geez. in style, I'll I literally agree put with it her on. She's like, we have round faces. I'm like, yeah, totally. Like, my face is not round. No, I'm literally looking at myself <laughs> like, yeah, in the Zoom. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no, I love the I love the trend. I'm down for it. Um, Okay. And then last one, fashion trend. Yeah. Okay. For this one, I'm going to go with actually um, like pre-loved and like upcycled, which is like really having a moment right now. So obviously pre-loved and like pre's like the real real and like sites like that where it's authenticated um, stuff. And I love that. It's very eco-friendly because when you buy stuff from these like authenticated um, resellers, you're not contributing to the demand of like the companies that produce it. So it's not actually like producing more demand for the companies that are sourcing the original materials like the fashion companies are doing it. And fashion is a very, um, it's one of the most destructive industries to the planet. So when you buy from these secondhand places, you're really helping the environment. You're getting more use out of these um, objects. And I also just think vintage shit is so cool. So I agree. And then upcycled stuff is when um, artists nowadays are like taking pieces of, you know, let's say like luggage or like bags, whatever, you know, all these different things and they turn it into jewelry or they turn it into clothing. And I've seen such cool examples of people turning 
like things that you would never expect like turning a bag into a jacket or like yeah you know, earrings out of like luggage tags like I don't even know like crazy shit um but I'm always just very impressed with the creativity and I love again the idea that it's helping the earth you know getting more life out of things that would have otherwise been discarded I love that I like saw a brand recently I'll get the name of it and like I'll post it on our Instagram or whatever and they do that with like they'll take buttons from like a recycled Chanel jacket and turn the CC buttons into earrings. Oh, which is so cool because like a regular pair of Chanel earrings are like $500 and more where these are like $150. Like, yeah, because really they're just the butt. Like you, you buy a a Chanel jacket, it's going to come with two or three spare buttons in the pocket. Like making those into earrings or a necklace. So creative. Yeah. No, I've seen that on TikTok. Yeah, that's that's what upcycling is. So I didn't even know that like it was a term too. for it. I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's super. And it's also nice because like, you know, no one wants to wear like something that's fake, but like it's not fake. It's real Chanel buttons. Yeah, a hundred percent. It came from Chanel. Well, I it even came from Chanel. <laughs> what I do and like I started doing recently, and Katie was like, "How do you do that?" Like, I want to do it. I take like anytime I get gift gift or like buy myself something and it has like the ribbon on like a Prada oh, bag yeah. and it comes with the Prada oh, ribbon right, on it right. I take the ribbon and I use it as like a hair tie or hair like tie, yeah. a bow in my hair uh, yeah I have one I have to I saved one I found one yeah so like you can I show me I do, do it all the time because I'm like it's so cute it's not like it's a real Dior hair accessory but right but at the same time it is it, it is it like, came from Dior, Dior. yeah <laughs> no I love it I was literally, I literally just got like a like a beach bag thing from Fendi and the girl was like putting in the bag. She's like, oh, are you just going to take it with you? Like, I don't need to put all the like stuff in it. I was like, oh, honey, give me the ribbon. Gift wrap it (laughs) for myself. I've I've had that same experience where like, I'll be at a luxury store and like, oh, do you want to just wear it out? And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, no, I want the bag. Funny. I want all the fixings. I want the bag. I want like the special paper. I want everything. 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 I want to go home and feel like I'm opening a present for myself. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I don't want to just wear it out. That's so not special. Like, no. Yeah. And you just so. drop so much money. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That wraps up the five F's and our belated pride Mon- it is June 29th, so you know you did technically the we interview. Yeah, we recorded. Yeah, happened, but and it we're celebrating all year long. But e, yeah, thank you I so much it. for joining us. Thanks for having for me, guys. Sharing yeah. your story and everything, we really appreciate it. Do you 